The Giants are interviewing coaching candidates as we speak. Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz joins us to break down who might get this head coaching job. We also look back at an insane NFL wildcard playoff weekend and preview the divisional games coming up. And finally, we are pumped to chat with five-time Super Bowl champion and now XFL Wildcats defensive coordinator Pepper Johnson. All that and more next on Blue Rush with the New York Post. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Paul Schwartz and Pepper Johnson join the show today. Let's talk some football. All right, here we go, Jake Brown. The Giants are not in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, a couple of guys like us can dream. Uh, we're here. We're back. It's another big week of Blue Rush. We're looking for a coach. We're following the playoffs. So we figured, why not do a pot about both? You know, what I mean? that makes sense, right? Yeah, we got Paul Schwartz coming on to break down this search because literally guys are, as we're speaking, there's basically guys still being interviewed. And we don't know who the top candidates are. I'm not excited about Matt Rule. I know he's the trendy pick. People are like, oh, I wanted Temple. He wanted Bale. It's great. But I really need a guy at this point with this Giants team where I feel like there are franchise pieces in place, meaning the quarterback and the running back. I want uh, a CEO with head coaching experience. Paul Schwartz, you'll talk about with him, wrote a column about how Rules already proved himself, how he had the year with the Giants, the organization. But he was an off- assistant him. offensive yeah, line that's coach. That's the thing, but he, he, like we're he really has reaching. ties to I, the organization. Listen, I have spent more time around the organization just based on the amount of time I've spent throwing up at MetLife Stadium parking lot than Matt Rule has. Like, it's amazing how people stretch these stories when it's time to fall in love with a candidate. But what do we really know? But it's about relationships, man. And if you have a relationship with the marriage, then that helps. Well, that does. But, I mean, relationships with the team itself, he was around it for a year. You know, listen, does it give him a leg up on a guy like McCarthy who wasn't around? Yeah. But if this is about the best guy for the job, there are a lot of people that go to the Maris Christmas party that aren't going to coach the Giants next year. And they've probably been going to it for 30 years, 40 years. You, that Paul Schwartz, that my buddy Constantine Maroulis, all say Bill Belichick to Big Blue. He's eliminated if Brady goes, does Belichick go? Yes, he does. Can I just jump I in? Mean, you love this it. is the sexiest storyline ever. And You're I've been, aroused right I now. I have I been flow. I'm in. I'm going to need you to speak slower. I'm going to need. Uh, uh, is everything okay? Uh, I uh, I really mean this. I have been floating this for like the better part of two months, and I think the Giants could be in the middle of a, a brilliant courtship move because what they're doing is they haven't reached out to Belichick so far as we know, but they have reached out to Josh McDaniels and a few other guys on his staff, which I is an, which I neither do I, but it's a great way to pressure Belichick because if he's on the fence about leaving the Patriots, if ever there was a job to do it for, we know it would be the Giants. And if he sees one of his coordinators on the verge of getting an interview and possibly landing the job, that puts a lot of pressure on him to come here. So you think they could maybe pair together and leave New England together? Yes. Maybe bring Brady along Just, for you. Yeah, sit, why not? Sit there. Daniel Jones bring them all. Here. Come on. Have Eli be the third string. Give him I, $20 million You can more. even bring Robert Kraft for all I care. I was a cab driver. I know every rub and tug and ch- I can teach him. I can show him everything in Manhattan he needs to have. But I don't know, man. I don't I, listen, know. I don't know that Brady would come, but but a McDaniels-Belichick pairing, very similar to when Parcells brought Belichick to New England, could happen. This is your dream scenario. It is my dream like, scenario. I just don't see it happening. And, and on that front, it, the, the talk of the sports radio and everything – 
where does Brady go? Like, well, do, does he stay? Does Chris, he go to the Chargers? Chris Collinsworth last night dropped a bomb and said he believes he's going to the Chargers, which to me sounds crazy. What does Chris Collinsworth know? Can we be Nothing. Is Chris Collinsworth the NFL insider now? I know he's a former NFL player. He had a good career. Yeah. He's an okay broadcaster. He's better than Booger McFarlane, yeah. who, who has become like the new John Madden with his obvious statements. Yeah, oh, like, but yeah. The other night, <laughs> my bad. wife and child... We're screaming at the TV at how many stupid things were being said. He literally said this. He said, they're up 17-16. If they go for two here, they'll be up a field goal. It's like, yeah. wow, one plus they two should... is three? <laughs> I, I'm just learning this. No, my favorite line of the night is they scored on an inside handoff to Julian Edelman, and he goes, I bet you they did that on purpose. Oh, As my God. I was like, no, no, they scored by accident. Worse than that, uh, did you? this is all over Twitter. He said on third and ten, I would run it here on third down and then spike it on fourth down. Oh, so you turn it over on down? <laughs> Let's lose the game. Woo. I mean, how about that game? That I was, was a rough unbelievable. One. Listen to me, man. Nobody wanted it. It's like Josh Allen said, here, you take it. The Texans said, the, here, you take it. And then finally Houston took the it. The coaching at the end of both of those games was infuriating to me. I'm talking so about bad. fourth down decisions, third down decisions. I mean, if you start in the Buffalo game, after they had maneuvered into what was easily a, f- a makeable field goal, they lose, I don't know, 18 yards on a penalty in a, in a sack, but then decide to go for it on fourth and 20, 82 instead I'm of just punting and pinning them. Jimmy of coaches not trusting their kickers, especially in indoors. and defenses, too. Indoor situation. You're in no a dome. weather. Like, give it a try. Yeah. That has a better chance than a fourth and 23. Oh, it was insane. Like, this, Freddie Mitchell's not in the building. He's not saving you. <laughs> so, you kick that damn field goal. You just take the money and run, or at least oh. try, attempt to. But it was a frustrating day. So, I, I guess what we've decided in our giant coaching search is who we don't want. We don't want anyone from the Bills. I don't even want Doug Peterson. He upset me yesterday with the Eagles. But as Giant fans, we're never going to cry when the Eagles lose. You're not going to hear that on this show. And they didn't really stand a chance. And this is why I told you, bet the mortgage and, and bet Jenny fail and not mm. go using a webcam service. Oh, Jenny if, if, they, if they had uh, lost that game. But I told you, everything on the Seahawks, that <laughs> game was the ugliest of the four. I think the other three were better. The Patriots game at least was close. I think that was more interesting because it was the, it was a the, game. It was the David and Goliath yeah. and Goliath going down. So that was cool. The Texans game was just pure insanity. Yep. Uh, we said bad coaching. And then the uh, Saints game was pure insanity. I got to tell you, man, everybody in the world had had Kirk Cousins going in there and doing Kirk Cousins stuff and losing that game big. I told you they'd cover. Saints at home after getting jobbed at home in the NFC Championship game last year. I believe in Vegas it was like 79% of the money was on the Saints. Crazy. I was dumb, and last minute when I did bet, I did Vikings, uh, Saints minus six and a half because I told you it would come, be a touchdown, but I uh, bought the point and I should have did Vikings plus seven and a half, which I said on the show, but I went against my word, which is disgrace. But let's look ahead. There's a whole nother week of playoffs for you is. to lose your money in. But Jake did Brown. you think that was a penalty? Offensive pass interference? No. You want to know why? No, this is why. I'm a big let him play guy, and he did get one arm in there on the shove. But it wasn't an arm that created three yards of distance. It was a shove. It was an arm. But it wasn't the difference between him being there and him not. I think the more egregious call in that instance is one-on-one man coverage with a guy who has a three-foot height advantage for all intents and purposes going yeah. up for a ball. But I think I, he I'd did be doubling. The, I know maybe, but I'd be doubling in that corner, and they didn't, and I was surprised by that. But you know what? Um, listen, the Saints have nobody to blame but themselves. You're at home in that game. You're a seven-point favorite. There You're supposed to blow pick. them out. Well, sorry about that. Let's look ahead because there is a uh, another Kirk, round. Of, good for Kirk. I was happy, happy for him for because Kirk. you want to know something? He threw the 
the best ball of his life on that oh pass. Oh, God, that was incredible. And, uh, you know, for all the heat he catches, you know, people forget. Quarterbacks get a lot of credit they don't deserve. They get a lot of heat they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been saying that all year long on this show with Eli Manning. Eli Manning started off 0-2 with games that, to be honest with you, he played pretty well. But they were ready to move on as an organization. I've, I can speak English. And uh, they were like, no more Eli. So I'm looking ahead right now, yeah, Jake Brown. Let's, let's have this talk, okay? Yeah. AFC Divisional Games next weekend. You got the Titans at the Ravens. The Ravens, pretty much everybody's picked to take it at this point. They're nine and a half. I will say this. That is a very high line. Very high, yeah. But, but they're telling you they have a lot of confidence in the Ravens. That being said, winning this time of year is about being able to run the ball, control the clock. I like the Titans here with the points as high and as dumb as this line is because a guy like Derrick Henry is going to run the ball, and I think he keeps them in the game. Yeah, I agree, and I think the Ravens this year against the spread are – 10 and 6, so it's not like they've been dominant against the spread. And a lot of these games are close. And as I said last week, fa- my favorite two words, backdoor covers. Oh. They happen every time. So I also like the Titans to cover, but I do think the Ravens win this game by a touchdown. You think they get in there? And that's I mean, the Saturday primetime, 8 he, o'clock. Good listen, game. He's had one of the best years we've ever seen a quarterback have. I, I do get scared in the playoffs with scrambling quarterbacks. You know, it's a three-step league. Man. This is going to be a big ball control game. Yeah. A lot of Derrick Henry of versus running. Lamar and Ingram. And and Ingram did have that week off, which he needed because he had that calf injury. So that's going to be it's, a big factor. Yeah. If Ingram's not healthy, this game becomes very, very interesting because yeah. Lamar's going to have to put it all on his shoulders. Let's say this. The NFL is very lucky because they have good matchups. This next game, uh, well, the Sunday AFC game, to be honest with you, I think is the weakest matchup of the week. That's the Texans getting 10. At Arrowhead in Kansas City. That's a big number again. That's a big number. I'm, I'm taking they're, the Texans they're plus showing 10 these, there. Well, they're showing these one seeds a lot of a, a lot of respect. And the reason I mention that uh, is because when we get over, so you said you're taking the Texans? Texans, okay. yeah, plus 10. Yeah. I'm going the other way. I'm taking the Chiefs. Okay. I do think they're going to blow them out. To be honest with you, I want to take the Ravens, but I bet on teams that can run the ball in the playoffs, especially if they're getting big points. So I'm with you, Ravens, Chiefs. But the reason I point out the high lines, is let's head over to the NFC now and look at the number one and number two seeds in the NFC laying next to nothing comparative to the AFC games. Uh, the 49ers are six, six and a, excuse me, six and a half over the Vikings. Not a very high line. I don't like that number either, honestly. I If, if there I was one the game not to bet on, I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, you, you do take the Vikings. I would probably buy the point and take them. Remember, these lines are going to change. I know. Closer. These are immediate. Like, I ch- I got these last oh, night. I mean, they're very think about, immediate. But think about that. That's but, low. I mean, they're, the 49ers at home are a lower favorite against the Vikings than the Saints were. Well, the, yeah. And, I, and they're the one seed. So you're taking the Vikings. Taking but the, the Vikings 49ers win this game. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do you think Kirk's going to win another one? I just want to say this. Kirk? It is. It has almost become the norm, last year being the exception, but it has almost become the norm for a team that plays in the wild card round to upset everybody, win three games, and make it to the but Super Kirk? Bowl. Kirk? Two I'm, road I'm, wins I'm, for I am Captain kissing Kirk? cousins. Do you I like that, indeed? cousins. I will take the six and a half. And now, grant you, this is a higher line than the number two seed, the Packers, Dude, I, 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 wanna, I want this to be heard on the show because if you guys tune in next week and you only hear Jake Brown's voice, it's because the Seattle Seahawks didn't cover. I am betting the world on the Seattle Seahawks. I actually like that, too. Three and a half? We're pretty much in lockstep on a lot of these, except you think the Chiefs are going to blow them out. I think the Chiefs will win by a touchdown. Uh, I, I think the I'd buy the point and do plus seven and a half for the Vikings. And then, yeah, I like Seahawks plus three and a half. You know, the, the thing there is the injury front. You know, they, they have been hobbled up. Uh, they didn't win pretty in Philly, but they did win. A win's a win. I'm just looking at lines, and it's like, how are the yeah. Packers at Lambeau 
not a you know coming off a, a buy. That's also the opening line. I think more people are going to mm-hmm. put more on the Packers. Yeah, exactly. Say, and you'll get it at four, maybe four and a half, five, which yeah. I would only make that's me like the Seahawks though, more. You know, Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. Oh, it's, it's happening again. There's no replacement refs here no, to ruin not, this one. There's a, there's the real refs who are ro- still ruining things, well, as we saw in a couple of games. But. Oh man, it was rough. But I am excited, Jake Brown. I got to tell you, man, for football fans for the NFL, incredible. Yeah, they got to be thrilled. We got yeah. good matchups, and whoever comes out of this is going to be great. So, do we still like one two versus one two, or are you like the Vikings to actually win that game? So I you will like take the Vikings. Wow. Excuse me. Let me just jump in here. I like the Vikings plus the points. But I like the, the Seahawks to win the game. So I think I, I I'm fifty the fifty game. on the Vikings. I know. What, what I'm saying the Seahawks to be the Packers. So what I'm saying is. My bets are I'm 100% behind the Vikings, 100% behind the Seahawks. I do think one of them will win the game. Okay, that so, team so being you'll, the Seahawks. to be safe, you'll go 49ers, Seahawks. I'm going to say 49ers, Packers. I think it's going to be 1-2. I think it's 1-2 versus 1-2. Um, really? Yeah, I, I'm just going with with the script here. It'd be I just, exciting for the league. I don't see it. Happening. I don't see Kirk winning twice, and, you know, I think – Rodgers will find a way to pull it out. Mason Crosby hits a late field goal. They win by a field goal. That's going to be an incredible game. And that's the capper. That's the Sunday nighter. So we'll be on after that game. Oh, exciting. Uh, and it should be good. I'm fun- uh, you know, NFL, like you said, can't ask for four better games. Almost four. The last one was a little sloppy. But four close games like we just got. Avoid blowouts, and it keeps people in. The Saturday Patriots game night was Great like game. the highest rated like wild card game. Great so, game. And can uh, I just, fun weekend. And can we just say this before we toss? we got to bring on Paul Schwartz. Yeah. We've got some heavy hitters here. What, they're watching a lot of people on the news because you know there's a lot of speculation about where Brady goes. Mm-hmm. They were interviewing people in the parking lot who were talking about how bad they feel for Tom Brady, like in Massachusetts. I'm like, yo, yo, Tom Brady oh, he's got is going home he's to her got... supermodel in a mansion. And he's Super Bowl you, rings all over the place. You're going home to a doll in your mom's basement. I'm like, nobody should feel bad for Tom Brady. Like, Tom yeah. Brady should feel bad for you, no. maybe. Well, but uh, I listen. Well, before we bring shorts, we're, well, you didn't, I can get your pick. Is Brady stay? I think he stays for one more year with Belichick. Yes. I think, think he stays. stays I okay. think he stays in New England. Yeah. And the unlikely turn of events that he's somehow going to the Chargers for fifty million dollars a year to help them sell seats that frees up Belichick to head south. Here it goes. And I'm all over that Here scenario. Oh, I love it. Close it out. Belichick <laughs> comes to the Giants. Hillary Clinton ends, enters the election, and my parents get back together. It's going to oh. be a big winner, Jake oh, Brown. You'll big see. Week, yeah. A lot of fun. Well, the Giants often looked like a ship without a rudder this year, but somebody's got to come in and steer the ship. Uh, The coaching talks are underway now. They're conducting interviews over in Jersey. And joining us now is a guy who knows more than anybody because he's the New York Giants beat writer for the New York Post. Paul Schwartz is back in the house. Hey, Paul Schwartz. Happy New Year. What what is the um what is the um um cutoff when we have to stop saying Happy New Year? Do you know that? That is a brilliant point. You know why I asked that, Paul Schwartz? I think the cutoff would be this week. The Giants are trying to make it a Happy New Year. Um, what do you? I, we read your column today. Is Matt Rule the guy for this team? Well, he hasn't even interviewed yet, so it's it's you know it's hard to say. You know these interviews do matter. They're not just formality. So it's not like well he has the job and he's just got to come in and sign the papers. Uh, you know, let's face it. Matt Rule is a guy who was at Temple. He was at Baylor. That's not exactly Notre Dame and Alabama. Um, but he, you know, he took over terrible programs and made them into very good programs. He spent one year with the Giants, 2012, as an assistant offensive line coach. And I think he has a lot of the criteria they're looking for. But he has to come in, which he will on Tuesday, and they'll talk and they'll listen and they'll talk about what staff he's bringing in and. After that, if he does a really good job, I feel that he will be the guy they will eventually hire. Paul, do you put any stock into these coordinators that they're interviewing? I know it's a lot of its formalities and Richard and Bienemy and Martindale uh, and McDaniels. Do you actually make these guys legit 
candidates here? Well, McDaniels is in a different group, right? Because he was a head coach before. Um, you know, uh, Joe Judge will interview, I think, today, uh, McDaniels Wednesday. Look, you never know, right? You know, I'm sure Eric Bieniemy sat down and had a very good interview. He's supposed to be a very engaging guy. He's a real leader type. You know, he's never been a a play caller, even though he's been a coordinator. Andy Reid gives him the, you know, 100% stamp of approval. But no, I think they're long shots. I think those are the kind of guys who come in and the Giants really don't know them and they sit down and they talk. And then afterwards, maybe Dave Gettleman and John Mara and, and Kevin Abrams sit back and say, whoa, whoa, I didn't know that guy, but he blew us away. We got to think about this. But look, you have to talk to a lot of guys. There are Rooney rules involved. You have to talk to minority candidates. There's a lot there. Look, you can't just go in thinking one guy because somebody else might be great out there and you missed him because you didn't even talk to him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I, I would say this, though. There's this fantasy scenario playing out in my head. Uh, it harkens back also to a column you wrote a few weeks earlier where possibly uh, Tom Brady leaves New England and that frees up Bill Belichick to come take his dream job. What do you think about that? Have the chances of that increased at all with this scuttlebutt about Brady going to San Diego? Well, you could say the chances have increased just because the Patriots are out in one round, right? And they they lost their final regular season game to the Dolphins of all teams, you know, in Foxborough. And then they lose the next week in a first-round playoff game in Foxborough, which are pretty good signs that maybe this is all coming to an end. You know what? I still think that the smart money is on Belichick going back to New England and Brady going back to New England, and they try to reboot this whole thing for another run. But – I wouldn't bet a lot of your my money on it. I bet a lot of your money on that. You know what I mean? So, you know, Brady might go to go to the, you know, the Chargers and try to open a new stadium in LA. And uh Belichick might say, you know what, I gotta get out while the getting's good. And so I think there's a there's a little bit of a fun chance that, you know, something happens really quickly here and they're they're through intermediaries. Uh, Belichick tells the Giants, Well, you know, you don't have a coach yet. I might be available and and things go from there, but you know, I think we have to kind of put that in one corner and take McCarthy and Rule in the other corner, and and that's uh, the latter is the corner that probably is the direction they're going to go. All right. So Paul Schwartz is emphatic. Belichick to the Giants, and I thank you for that. I kid. Um, I would love. I'd love to see it. I, my my fantasy, Paul, is that they're floating these interview offers to the Josh McDaniels of the world and everybody else in the Patriots locker room because it puts some pressure on Belichick. You know, because to sit there and watch one of his own guys go get the job. I think could maybe light that little nostalgic fire. So I'm I'm going to hold out hope until I'm just forced not to. Yeah, you're all in on Bill Belichick because you're not going to have to sit there at every one of his press conferences and media sessions like I am. Okay, you're going to be from afar, whatever you're doing, and and you know tuning in or tuning out, and I'm going to be in every one of those asking, uh, Bill, um, what's going on with Daniel Jones this week, and and and. Belichick's going to say, yeah, we're just going to think about uh, the the, uh, the Cowboys this week. Uh, uh, Bill, um, one question. Um, you know, you've uh, lost last week. And, you know, what are you doing to kind of motivate the guys? At, uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for wishing Bill Belichick on me. Now, they may... I may have to cover a team that wins a lot more, right? You know, Belichick doesn't lose a lot of games, but there's going to be hell to pay in the process, believe me. 
Paul Schwartz, you can catch him at Caroline's all weekend long. Uh, he's there. That was fantastic. Can we give Paul credit for his questions to Dave Gettleman of the press? I, I, I heard your voice in the background. You gave him some hard-nosed questions, and Gettleman uh, had some tough times going for him. With your questions, with Kim Jones coming at him, he looked scared at times. Well, I'm not sure scared. Look, that was – that was um, you know, I've been in the business a long time. That was one of the more remarkable press conferences I've seen. And I don't really say remarkable. You know, you can use remarkable in a good way or a bad way. You know, I thought it was a little over the top. I mean, I thought my question was completely fair and I got a good answer out of it. I mean, I asked him, you know, why did you bring Eli Manning back and pay him $23 million on the salary cap if this was going to be a two-game, you know, just let's see what Eli can do and then we're going to dump him and put the rookie in. And Dave Gettleman gave a good answer. He said, we didn't think Daniel Jones would be this good this quick. And you know what? You may not like that answer, but it's an answer. Like, you know, we, we thought the guy was a rookie and we didn't think he'd be ready. And after two games, or I think even before that, they looked at each other. Pat Shermer went to Dave Gettleman and said, you know what? When I have, if and when we have to make this move with Eli, Daniel Jones is ready now. And so, okay, you know, no one expected that to happen. But yeah, that, that, that press conference was a little bit more of an interrogation than it needed to be. Some people take Dave Gettleman not being fired as a very, very personal attack on their soul. And I don't. I I cover the team and I have my opinions. But you know what? Here's what I would say about Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman. I can sum it up in one sentence. Okay, guys? The Giants did not need more than two years to determine Pat Shermer was not the right coach for this team. And they determined... Dave Gettleman needed more than two years to determine whether he's the right GM, and I think that's the correct take. Paul Schwartz, I'll give you that. Although I, he didn't help his case when he admitted in the press conference that Daniel Jones wasn't his idea. He said, and I'll let you go on this, but he had said that Shermer was the guy who was sweet on him, and he kind of brought him along for the ride, which to me I never would have admitted if I was Dave Gettleman. Well, I mean, that that was – I mean, he said that Pat Shermer – really liked him a lot, you know, liked him and kind of, but Dave Gettleman makes the call on the draft. There's no question. If Dave Gettleman did not like Daniel Jones and the scouts did not like Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer would not have gotten his way there. Um, But, um, you know, I thought Dave in, in subsequent radio interviews said some things that made me scratch my head. Like number one, did you think you were going to be fired, Dave? Yeah, I did think I was going to be fired. I wouldn't have admitted that. And that the key to this whole thing was Dave Gettleman admitted, yeah, I made a mistake thinking I could win and rebuild at the same time. I mean, that is the crux of his job description. And so if he erred on that, you know, I'm not sure I would have admitted that either. Look, there's only so many times you can come on in any job, right, and say, yeah, that was a mistake. Oh, yeah, 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 I think that was a mistake. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think I screwed that up. Eventually, your employer's going to say, you know what, he's right. What the hell are we keeping this guy around? So, you know, I think less is more with Dave with some of these radio interviews. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, defense wins championships, Gettleman. Something you should know by now after watching this season. Uh, listen to me, Paul Schwartz. Happy New Year for the final time. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show today. We're excited for the playoffs, and we'll catch up with you next Monday. All right, Jimmy, anytime. Thanks. Joining us now on the show, he is a two-time Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants and a three-time Super Bowl champion as a coach with the New England Patriots. He is now the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the L.A. Wildcats starting in 2020. Pepper Johnson is here. What's happening, Pepper Johnson? <laughs> Jimmy, I'm, I'm good. I am good. You're living good. I mean, how can you be living bad? you got a ring on every finger. <laughs> uh, I, I missed a couple of fingers. Let me ask you this. Is there a difference between winning a ring as a player and winning a ring as a coach? Does one mean more than the other? Um, not at all. I, I've, I've been 
asked that question. And right after the first um, ring with the Patriots coaching, I was asked that question. And I didn't really have an answer until that Thursday. That Thursday that we played that Sunday, we beat the Rams that, that Sunday. And that Thursday, my son um, in high school, the South Warren High School, um, won the city championship in Columbus, Ohio, uh, in wrestling. And I went, I, I went to, um, to Columbus. Um, Belichick actually let me go to, um, to go to Columbus. And when I witnessed my son, um, winning that championship, that's when it all came to me. It was, um, that my players, when I was watching those guys running out on the field, the confetti just jumping up and down like little kids and everything that's when it came to me the feeling of the Super Bowl winning it as a player and winning it as a coach that it's just like your kids it's just you know some of, some of my players they don't want to hear me <laughs> or some of those guys that was running up and down they didn't want to hear uh, me refer to them as being like my kids but that's that was the feeling that you 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 can't there's no way that you're you're any happier um winning it as a player you know even though you put in all that that work physically you put in a lot of work of um physically and mentally um as a coach are you pumped up for the XFL yes i am i'm really I'm, I'm really i really am because you know what, with, with all honesty, and I, I made this statement to some of my players and I got uh, kind of a funny look and I, I came back and apologized and explained to them uh, what I really meant. But like in the NFL, you get a, a first round draft pick, you know, um, and that guy is expected to be good. Um, some of these guys here, um, whether they had opportunity in the NFL or not, some of these guys are, they're, they're not promoted. They're not being pushed in that same aspect as a first round draft pick. So to, to get those guys to, to really perform and to play well for one, for each other, I think that would say a lot. Um, and I'm not trying to, toot my own horn, but I think that would really say a lot to our, our coaching staff and and what we are uh, capable of and, and giving the players the opportunity to do. Jimmy, they got an interesting team. You know, offensive coordinator Norm Chow, head coach and GM Winston Moss, a former NFL. QB is Josh Johnson. How about that? You know, I remember former yeah. backup quarterback, former starting quarterback kicker Nick Novak. Woo. They have a defensive end who is not Willie Say Hey Mays, but it is Willie Mays, so I he's got, got the cool name. We'll take that. So there you go. And they got Pepper Johnson. And they got Pepper. I mean, you have an interesting <laughs> team there in L.A. Do you, I mean, do you guys think that you guys could be uh, the elite team in the XFL in the, the uh, opener this year? We have to believe that. We have to believe that. And any doubters after a couple of meetings with Coach Moss, um, you have to believe that. That that guy is he's awesome he's great I I I know linebackers you know everybody talk about their positions uh, you know aftermath uh, how we kind of get along and, and stuff like that but that that linebacker mental mentality I just I, I love it and um, that guy is uh, straight to the point um, 
he's he, you know he's he's business, but at the same token, um, he, he relates to the players. So I, I I love his attitude. You famously played, you know, for two of the greatest old school coaches around. You know, you're on the Giants when Bill Parcells was coaching. Bill Belichick was the D, you know DC, and you've coached alongside Bill Belichick in, in New England. Who is the more intense coach, uh, Belichick or Parcells? Uh, well, you know the the characters of the two is what really separates the two. The mentality is there, but it's just the characters. Um, Belichick is is form. He's firm and um, some form. He's firm, but he 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 looks at you in a way, and and he talks to you, and you when you try to answer him, ah, he still say the same thing and. You know, and then it, it it gets to you that way. Well, whereas Parcells is that guy that he walks and he, he wants the confrontation. He he looks for it. He he is standing in front of you. All of us, you know, we we have witnessed him standing on the sideline. Uh, you know, after you had made a good play or bad play, and you come to the sideline and and whichever angle you are walking to your bench. He he happens to be standing in front of you. You know he's not going to walk away. He you know if it's a you know we walk into the defensive bench. He's he's not standing down there by the offense or in the middle of the field. He's standing by the defensive bench where you have to walk by him, and then he's going to say a couple of words or two while you're on your way to the bench to get rimmed by Coach Belichick. So it's it's um, it's really the character of the two. I couldn't say one of them is is, you know, tougher than the other. Okay, and that's fair. Now, I have heard uh, from multiple players who've been on this show that Bill Parcells uh, famously would let a lot of you linebackers police the locker room, you know, back in the late 90s and certainly the late 80s, too. Was was there any of that law and order on the Patriots? Uh, did you did you guys have that in your locker room? Well, yes. Uh, and wait a minute, let me, let me correct. Beautiful. That. Or oh, let us. It wasn't no let us. We did it anyway. Oh wow. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but, no, but you know what? It's um, in the players lived up the true leaders um, of any team is going to come to the, the forefront. You know, you you had some guys that um, that was the passing of the torch. That's the that's the the history and uh, the reason why the Patriots have been successful for so many years, the the passing of the torch is is strong. And the guys that, that was at the forefront um, that led the team um, more by physical, by example, um, than just being, you know, a, a seat, you know, stitched on their jersey. Um, that those guys were the leaders that they they enforced the locker room, uh, they enforced the meeting room. I, I never had a problem with with my meeting rooms when you know Vince Wilfork was up in there. I mean, there, there was no problem. Any rookie uh, puppy came up in there, uh, the rules was already enforced. I didn't have to write anything down and and come in come in my room with my checklist or anything like that. Vince already got them, you know. <laughs> Um, in order before I ever walk into the room, and that was passed down by Richard Seymour and and so forth. And you know, Brewski did the same thing with uh, with Hightower and, and you know and Mayo. Uh, well, I should have said Mayo first, and then Hightower is over there now. 
it's the same thing that those the passion of the torch um is beautiful and that, that's why it's a machine going on over there pepper your career is so interesting because you won championships with belichick as your coach with the giants then you go to cleveland and he's coaching there and then you end up coaching with him with the patriots i mean you've probably seen this guy smile more than anyone you probably know all the secret stories of Belichick. You know his inside. You might know his social security number at this rate. I mean, you were attached to the <laughs> hip at this guy. What's been the difference over the years in this guy from coaching, uh, playing for him to coaching with him? I mean, you've seen every side of this guy that you can imagine more than most people have. Yeah. The, um, 13 years of playing, 10 was up under Belichick in some form or fashion. And 17 years of coaching, 14 was up under him. So, yeah, I kind of know that guy. We kind of know each other. And what I've what I've seen um, with Coach Belichick um, over the years is just a, a very um, diligent person that he just um, – it's football. It's, it's football nonstop, um, and everything circles that. And that's, that's why him and I got along so well because that's my life also. Everything um, circles and surrounds that. He's just um, he he gives that dry impression um, a lot to to the media and everybody. But when you get to know him and behind closed doors, he's a he's a different beast. You know, I uh, don't want to go any farther with that, but he's he's a he's, he's a different guy. Oh no, no Belichick jokes. We. We want to know the comedian yeah. side of him. Are you telling me there's a Bel- Bill Bill Belichick's pranking people and stuff? What's happening here? Yeah, no, you know what? Um, but not not that bad. He just he just have his ways of doing things that just it's it's different for me. You know, it's just it's just different for me. I had when I was in Cleveland, I had a TV show, and everybody thought it was no way that Coach Belichick would, would come on the show, and he came on the show. And one of the questions that they asked, you know, you know, everybody just want to know what what makes Belichick tick because he don't let anybody in. So they they asked him, um, Coles, about when it's late at night, say eleven o'clock at night, he just can't sleep, and he goes to the refrigerator. What is it that he would get? I mean, what 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 do he pick out of the refrigerator that he that he would like? And he said bread. And he said he, he wouldn't necessarily have to go to the refrigerator. He'd go into his pantry, and he, he, he likes bread. He got a problem with bread, and it, it was it was it was funny at that moment. Um, to me, I I would have guessed a, a roll of bread or something like that because unlike <laughs> unlike myself going to get cookies or some mess, um, yeah, it's something that he could he would pick at and eat and he still would be thinking um probably about tomorrow's practice or something like that whereas i'm you know i'm I'm a different person i i promise you i i was thinking that when they asked him that question and he said bread and i i was i'm saying that's so belichick (laughs) that he would think that and we wish you the best of luck out in Los Angeles in that warm weather. February 8th is the opener for yeah, the XFL-LA Wildcats at the Houston Roughnecks, so yes. we're pumped to watch that. We're into this, and we're excited to see you in short sleeves again. Happy New Year, and best of luck in the XFL. We're really excited for you, Pepper Johnson. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thank you. 
That's going to do it for this big episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the pants off of this show all season long. Listen to every episode of Blue Rush by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post Sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. See you next week for the Divisional Round. Thank you.